He had his acrylics and he put all his scenarios in the sand and then they moved because of the wind. But finally, this movement brought beauty in the images. This special episode of The Art Angle is produced in partnership with Belmond. Recently, four photographers got a dream assignment. They were dispatched into the Maya Riviera to capture the distinctiveness and beauty of the landscape. But it wasn't all as tranquil as it sounds. The creators battled hurricane season and extremely tight deadlines to get the shots they wanted. The result of all their hard work is Fotografia Maroma, a collection of photographs commissioned by Belmond. The images will go on display at Maroma, Belmont's hotel in the Riviera Maya, when it reopens in May 2023. Before then, they are going on a world tour. It starts with a display in the Miami Design District during Art Basel Miami Beach and continues with presentations at Zona Maco in Mexico City in February and Photo London in May. In partnership with Belmond, the Art Angle spoke with the curators behind the project. Fariba Farshad is co-founder and director of Photo London, and Patricia Conde is the founder of Patricia Conde Galleria in Mexico City. Together, they gave us the lowdown on why they chose these four photographers, how the project came together in record time, and what it shows us about Mexico's vibrant and thriving photography scene. Thank you both for joining us. We're going to start by having you introduce yourselves. So maybe we'll start with Patricia. Tell us who you are and what your involvement is in the project. I am Patricia Conde Juaristi. I am the founder and director of the gallery that carries my name. And I am devoted to photography, Mexican photography mainly. And Fariba, please introduce yourself as well. Hi, I'm Fariba Farshad. I'm the co-founder of Photo London and Candlestar. So tell me how you both got involved in this project. This is an additional project from your main jobs. So tell me how you got involved. Maybe we'll start with you, Patricia. I got contacted by Isabel Chatas. I didn't know her. And then she uh, just told me that she wanted to talk to me about a project that they were planning to do in the Riviera Maya. She wrote a great, a very long email, and then we got a Zoom. I said, okay, I, I am interested, but I don't know what's going on. And I know Riviera and everything was about the reopening of the Maroma Hotel in Riviera Maya. So when we met... She told me about the project and uh, they wanted some photographers to go to the Riviera and artistic photography because the owners of Belmont wanted to collect and wanted to reopen this beautiful resort with artistic work, with photography that has the vision of great Mexican photographers. I felt really honored because, of course, as you know, Mexican photographers are extremely talented. They have a view of Mexico. They knew the Riviera Maya very well, except for Magot. They were very, very familiar with the Riviera Maya. So I thought it 
And uh, I really wanted to do a project in which my artists could be involved, in which they were going to be the first ones to be collected by a great chain of hotels, which is Maroma and Belmont. I was very happy with the project, and then we started. And Fariba, how did you get involved? <laughs> um, very much similar way. Isabella was invited uh, me. And maybe for listeners who don't know, maybe you can also say who Isabella is. She's a representative of Belmont Hotel, who was impressed by the quality of many photographic projects that I've been involved with during the last two decades and invited me to get involved with this project. I hesitated to begin with because of so many projects that I'm involved with, but also very quickly changed my mind, I have to say, because Mexican photographers are very dear to me and I know young ones that I work with and all the ones that I admire. So it was a challenge, but an opportunity for me to get involved with a territory that been quite new to me in terms of curating a show. Eventually, I said yes, and I've been loving every minute of it. And so the task that you both had was to select four photographers with unique points of view to go into the Maya Riviera and capture the landscape through their own eyes. So tell us, how did you choose the artists? Well, at the beginning, of course, it was a very difficult task because I consider all my artists be sufficiently talented to do the work. But then I have about 30 artists, so I brought it down to eight. And then I took these eight artists and asked them for an idea without telling them what the project was but just telling them that the idea was to photograph the Riviera in a way that it was artistic, it was going to be a different vision than that, that of the commercial and publicity and uh, the very cliché ones. All of them sent me their PDFs, and uh, then I brought this into consideration with uh, Isabel Chattas and, of course, with Fariba. And we talk about the artists and we saw the work. And then we very soon decided, Fariba and I, who were going to be the ones who were going to do the work with the project. But it was not an easy task. And uh, when we decided, Fariba and I, who were going to be the ones to go to the Riviera. Then I openly talked with them about the project and I told them that I wanted, and we all wanted, something different, something new, something with their own vision, something that was so important, so interesting and so unique that they could do it. And I was very, very happy that they were very enthusiastic with the project, they were very happy with it, excited, nervous, because we had little time to do the project. Sometimes a project 
it takes a year, for example, no? but this time we didn't have a lot of time. So we started almost immediately, and I think it went very well. And I'm curious about the experience for these artists of going into the Riviera to shoot. I sort of have in my mind an image that you all had really intense Zoom meetings in advance, and then it was like you sent them off into the jungle. I'm curious about what instructions did you give them and how much did you know in advance about what they were going to end up with? We had to trust the artist. We had a very brief conversation, maybe a couple of brief conversations after looking at their proposal and off they went, really. It was quite a experience in terms of short time delivery. But for me, it was incredible that we are going to give the artists a couple of weeks to go and get their shoot done and come back with the result. I think the main point here is we actually went for the artists that we trusted they're going to deliver. And I'm curious about, you know, what that experience was like for each of them using the landscape as their studio, as you said. I mean, how long were they there? Where did they stay? What kind of tools did they need? They all are very familiar with the Riviera Maya because it is a highly touristic place. For example, Javier Hinojosa knows Riviera Maya long time ago and he knows the reserves and he knows the forest and the sea and the colors. The Riviera has changed a lot. There are no a lot of virgin places. There are a lot of hotels. So he wandered into the forest so to capture what he remembered, say, 40 years ago. And he took these photos from that point of view, the remembering of how they were, how lonely and beautiful and virgin it was, So he did that, and I think that he got great, great results because he was very familiar. Patricia Lagarde has a house in Mérida, so it is very familiar for her too. And she's a very poetical, she's a very beautiful woman, and uh, she had three or four projects, and she tried them all, but Farib and I decided that only two were going to be in the project, Patricia went to Pacmol, which is a place near the hotel. She rented a little house. She was there for about two weeks. And uh, she needed a piece of cloth and some sticks and some tables and things that were not difficult to find. Ilanis used to do landscape too, but he is very into intervening the place. So he took all his tools, but he didn't count on the wind and the weather. This is hurricane season in Cancun and in Playa del Carmen and all the places that they were in. So it was very difficult. He had his acrylics and he put all his scenarios in the sand and then they moved because of the wind. But finally, this movement brought beauty in the images. An unexpected beauty. 
it was also very easy for him in the way of planning, but it was very difficult for the four of them because of the weather. They sometimes had to wait a day or two until the weather allowed them to take the photo they were thinking about. Margot, who is very young, and uh, she is very much into experimentation, she didn't know Riviera Maya very well. And so she constructed a little dark room in the bathroom of her hotel room. And there she decided to make an stenopaic camera and make negatives and positives that became just wonderful. They all really faced with a difficult, mainly in the weather, they had to wait for the right moment for the right light very early in the morning. Maybe it was raining or maybe it just rained a little bit and then it was a storm. It was very difficult in that matter, but they finally did it and uh, we are very happy with the result. Photography is so much about light. Patricia, you've spent time in the Maya Riviera and I'm curious how would you describe the quality of light there and what it offers to photographers as a subject? The beauty of Riviera Maya is the color of the water. It is a forest, a beautiful forest touching the sea. It is a beautiful ecosystem and there are reserves to keep the crocodiles and the iguanas and all species that they are beautiful. So the light is amazing. The ceiling, the sky, the color of the sea is almost sheer. You can see meters down. You can see the fishes. That is why everybody goes diving there. There are the cenotes. And cenotes are very important also because they have the pre-Columbian meaning to the Mayas for the human sacrifices. It was very important for them. They are beautiful, the colors, all the landscape, and it changes very much. The color of the sand is almost white. It's almost powder. And uh, so it is so pleasant to be there. And the light is always there. So everything comes together into such a beauty, into such a contact with nature. You cannot just go and don't enjoy and see these beautiful areas and the light of it. Even at night, you have this beautiful sky and the breeze, the temperature, the weather is beautiful, but it changes, as I said. But they must allow the nature to come in. And that is what happened in this project. Nature and the photographers and photography came all together to perform their best in this project. And we've spoken a little bit about each one, but I want to make sure that we kind of take a minute to talk about each individually. And one thing that seems interesting from hearing you speak about it is that it seems like for these projects, the artists were taking the the outside in or the inside out. There was a lot of thinking about bringing elements of the studio into the landscape and vice versa. So I'm curious if we could start with Margot's projects and you can tell us a little bit about how that dynamic played out. 
I was surprised, positively surprised, with Margot when I first encountered her work. It was very much science-based and I got very excited about the technology that she uses, the engine that she builds, and a sort of someone who pushes the boundary of photography in all sorts of directions. And when I realized she actually used pinhole camera, I was blown out of my <laughs> sort of idea of her because I just thought she is going to carry on with the same instrument, which she did partly for the night, but not the day. And I actually called her to find out a bit more. I said, tell me about the pinholes. And she said, I had four, but I used two. And they were sort of size of paint pocket. And I took them with me to the beach. And it was like going to do the shoot back to the bathroom, <laughs> which is used as a dark room and develop the pictures and then do it again in half an hour and repeat the process and capture, discover, record and do it again. That process takes a lot of patience and stillness in a way, but she actually used it in a place that everything was moving so fast. And she was saying that it felt almost there was no moment being in the same space because he was changing so drastically, so fast. So she would go out with this pinhole camera, work for 30 minutes, capture it, and then went back to a bathroom, dark room, basically. Yes. <laughs> And then go back again. So she was sort of capturing how the landscape or the light was changing over a period of hours. Yes. I love the story she told me that when she was at night looking at ants walking in a major <laughs> number and she felt it was very much what she was doing, <laughs> you know, getting the essence of the space, taking it to the place that he should be and coming back again. And I found that very, very poetic in a way. And at the same time, I think scientific, she is clearly interested in the methodical thinking, but presenting it in a dreamy way that makes it all so different and so beautiful. I think she will carry on with pinhole camera for a while. And this is incredible that, you know, you actually put someone in a position, in a space that experiment take her to another space and changes her practice for a while, maybe for a long time. We have to wait and see, but so far, great result. Javier is known for black and white portraits that, to my eye, almost have a bit of an Ansel Adams vibe to them. And I'm curious how he tackled this subject. 
Well, Javierino holds a, he knows how to use the camera. You can see it very easily in his photos that he can use the light and he can do anything. He is a very, very well-known photographer everywhere. And he has shown and he's in great collections. It was not difficult for him in the way that he has experienced. He knew what to do and he knew Rivera Maya. I think that he was only for three, four days. He didn't need more. He just needed the light and that was it. His eye is very well trained so he can really focus on what he wants. But it's fascinating that how many different camera he used. G-Pro camera and iPhone and it's just interesting that again someone very more traditional you would say is actually taken a very different approach with iPhone and deconstruction of image and constructing again with those deconstructed pieces which is Quite a, you know, interesting dialogue that he actually created as a result. So Patricia Lagarde, she's probably best known for creating these tiny dioramas. So I'm curious about what happened when she went outside the studio for this project. It is not difficult for her either to go and take photos of the outside. She is very familiar with the Riviera Maya and she wanted to trap the moon. She is always dealing with the moon and the first flight to the moon. She even has a small place, a boat in the moon, and she has all the legal papers to prove that. So she is in love with the moon. And the moon in the Riviera is just amazing because it is so big and so white. You can touch it. That is why she went to Pacmol and waited for the moment in which she could project the moon in these white, like, uh, fabrics, whatever she had. And it was moving by the wind, and then she was projecting the moon in those fabrics. So it became a beautiful way of doing a diorama, just a little bit larger. The outcome was just amazing. And the last artist, Ilan Radzibski, that was interesting because, as you said, this was sort of a, especially a co-production between nature and the artist and his materials. So tell us a little bit about how that all shaked out. Well, as far as I know, by a lot of surprises, basically, because the elements that Ilan built in the studio then placed within the nature. And of course, nature is not still and is very active, especially in this space and the time of the year. So the shadows were surprisingly different in some of the cases, not all. So the element of control that you have in your disposal in the studio is totally not at your disposal when you're in the nature. And I think the result is not in all cases, but some of the images that we received were not exactly what he planned, but he absolutely were delighted because then worked with 
the new movement and new shadow angles and created a new pictures that he didn't expect. And tell us exactly what he did. So he took these sheets and stuck them in the sand to get the shadows? Well, he took his acrylics and then he took some like color tubes and he wanted to make like an installation in the sand and he put these ones standing up very wisely in the sand. But then the wind came and all they moved. It wasn't like he wanted it to be. But then the result was just amazing because, as you said, it was a collaboration. And he took these acrylics to intervene nature and to show the forest and to show the way to Maroma, but in an intervened way. The ones in the sand are just amazing. And those are the ones that we chose. I think there are a couple of those that Lights of Riviera Maya created its own images <laughs> through his intervention. And right. that's the magic and beauty of unexpected, really. You've said that Mexican photography is enjoying, you know, a period of international acclaim and a renaissance. And I'm going to give you an impossible task, which is to give us like a one minute capsule history of photography in Mexico. But specifically sort of what tradition are these photographers inheriting and what are they responding to when they bring their own vision to the landscape? Well, yes, since the appearance of photography, Mexico has been into photography. In the 19th century, 1890, and early in the 12th century, photography was practiced by many, many artists. And many important women were into photography here in Mexico. For example, we have one, Natalia Baquedano, who was very important. She had her studio in downtown Mexico City and became very famous from her portraits, mainly women portraits. We have also Librado Garcia, smart, who is now very renowned. He was born in, in Guadalajara. And uh, he is a um, very special, great artist who is now having a show at the Museo del Estanquillo here in Mexico City. I also showed some of Librado Garcia's photos, which are unique at the gallery. When André Breton and Paul Erlois came during the surrealistic period, they met Manuel Álvarez Bravo. Manuel Álvarez Bravo immediately became part of the surrealistic movement. He immediately was into this uh, worldwide importance of surrealism. One of the most known surrealists apart from Manuel Álvarez Bravo is Cathy Horna, a splendid woman photographer and so many that I could go on and on and on. Cathy yeah, Horna is now also very, very well known. Photography has been rapidly evolving into a more contemporary scene to a new documentalism due to the uncertain and difficult times we face as a nation. The scene has changed and they are following these artists, for example, Graciela Iturbide is our Hasselblad, a World Prize winner. I have Flor Garduño, who is also a very well-known artist. And um, they also have Laura Cohen and many others who are into only black and white and silver gelatin or platinum. And that's it. That is the shortest uh, <laughs> history I can give you. It's interesting that... My 
two favorite Mexican artists that I admire and have small pieces by is actually Manuel Alverza and Bravo and Garciela. It's interesting that we recently interviewed Graciela for a female collage of work by women artists nominated for Pripicté, which is coming out in December. And it was fascinating conversation. I suppose one of the reasons I became so eager to be involved with this project was that love and conversation. It is important to say the younger generation been quite impressive and their practice fascinated me. For example, you know, I work with photographer like Pablo Lopez Luz, who is very famous now for aerial views of Mexico City, and uh, very young Tania Franco Klein, who won the Photo London Emerging Photographer of 2019 and went on to be represented by Rose Gallery in Los Angeles and Santa Monica. And these are the sort of reason when you look at the way now the fair in Zona Marco, the section for photography is expanding it enormously. And it shows, obviously, from outside how internationally people are interested in Mexican photography. But also public interest in Mexico City is very interesting for me because with Pripicte, we have done every cycle. We toured the show to a new cycle to 12 cities. So we've done 110 shows in 110 cities in the last 14 years. And one of the highest numbers, because we've been twice in Mexico City at Musée National de Art and Museum of Modern Art. The third one is going to be opening on the 1st of December. But both times is been a record number of visitors. So we had between 120 to 150,000 visitors, which is incredible. Obviously, that scene is going to breathe wonderful photographers to come and cherish those that they already hear. Absolutely. And we should say the Prix Pite is the premier prize in the photography world. So the depth of appetite there is super interesting. And I wanted to ask before we close about the evolution of the art scene in Mexico City in general. As you mentioned, this body of work will be shown at Zonamaco next year before it tours Photo London. Patricia, how have you seen the art scene evolve in Mexico City over the past few years? It has been evolving quickly in a very interesting way. We have from Manuel Álvarez Bravo to Yael Martínez, who is a very well-known artist now. He's part of Magnum Agency. And he's showing the new documentalism, which is 
telling you the narrative of the difficult times we are living in, the conflicts, the origins of narcos and how a narco government is configured. It is just an amazing, amazing work. It is too strong, but it is very important and important to show. I'm very excited about the showing for Fotografia Maroma at the gallery during Sonamaco. We are having these beautiful photographs hanged in our space next February. We are preparing a splendid show and planning some events to bring VIP guests to enjoy the exhibitions. Since I started the gallery almost 20 years ago, there was no other spaces other than the official ones showing only photography. It was little interest in photography in general. Then I came up with the idea of being in the gallery showing only Mexican photography and attending international first to put them in value because until that time, no one showed them in an international fair. Mexicans have been placed with collectors and institutions ever since. Modestly, I can say that other galleries became aware of the importance of photography and contemporary art galleries started showing photography too, mainly international, but they do have some in Mexicans also, and they have always a special place for them. You know, the country is full of Americans and Europeans fascinated with the light and strong art ambient that is they live in Mexico. So there are many newcomers to interact and to enjoy and to take part of the art scene in Mexico. We certainly been enjoying the Young Gallery for the last few years and Rose Gallery that Patricia mentioned is a U.S. Based gallery that represents some Mexican gallery, but also we are absolutely delighted that we will have Patricia coming to Photo London this year, and that is going to be fantastic news with the Photographia Maroma show, and we can really represent Mexican photography in London. So yes, after the project goes on view at Zonamaco, people will be able to see it at Photo London. Tell us where else they can find it. So far is going to be at Photo London and the tour ends at that point. But obviously the pieces that is there on show, they're already going to be part of the collection of Belmont Hotel and is going to be on display at the hotel in Riviera Maya. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for Thank sharing you. about this project. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and Tim Schneider. Thanks for listening.